0: Welcome to Northern Goal, the football podcast from the Evening Express and Pressing and Journal. I'm Ryan Crowell and today I'm joined by, it's a, it's a gruesome twosome, Jamie Gerent and Danny Law here in celebration of Halloween on Sunday. How are we guys? Very well, thank you. Um, not bad, thanks. Possibly an insulting start for you, but um, <laughs> it, can, it can only, we can only go uh, upwards from here. Yes, so today we're going to discuss last night's Premiership games, of course, Aberdeen and Ross County both getting, I would say, decent results on paper in reference to Aberdeen um, at Ibrox, but we'll also have to, of course, discuss the last week, which included um, poor result for Inverness over the weekend, as well as um, Cove Rangers, Peterhead and Elgin City in action, as always, as well as looking ahead to this weekend's games. But yes, first, let's start at Ibrox, where Aberdeen drew 2-2. With Rangers, a game not without controversy. Uh, Christian Ramirez and Scott Brown putting the Dons ahead early on. Dons were dreamland early on, but Alfredo Morales pulled a goal back before James Tavernier was given the chance to equalise late on from the penalty spot. Um, we'll get on to it, but perhaps a favour done for Rangers by John Beaton with that decision. Anyway... What a difference though, a week makes for Aberdeen guys, doesn't it? I mean, when I think back to the the, the terms we were talking in a- ahead of the Hibs game and how doom and gloom it was, uh, that's a week where they've got four points against Hibs and
1: Rangers, two top six sides,
0: um, things are looking up. Yeah, it's
1: been an amazing, amazing turnaround and um, the, the mood in Pataudry certainly been, been lifted after those two results. Um, I think the Hibernian one we thought was going to be, you know, one where Hibs had a few key players out, a decent chance to um, to get the win that they needed. Um, I mean, last night um, I must admit I didn't expect um, I didn't expect Aberdeen to to get anything from Ibrox. I thought when when I saw the Aberdeen team, the lack of defenders in it, and also knowing that um, there was going to be you know it was going to be quite an emotionally charged evening at Ibrox following the the death of Walter Smith. Um, so I I was. I thought it was going to be very very difficult for for Aberdeen to come away uh, from uh, from Ibrox with um, with even a point um, so I mean it was an amazing start and it looked like a you know a point was the the least they deserved for their efforts
2: I know when they kind of the teams came out I think a few of us were uh, were kind of scratching our heads as to how the how the Dons would line up what the formation would be who would go where um and I think I think It's like a midfielders conference. (laughs) Well, I know you had, I think you had Funzo Ojo and Dean Campbell playing in kind of defensive positions. Scott Brown at centre half. Um, (laughs) I think um, it was pretty much all all um, Stephen Glass had available at at that point. And given um, given the, the the kind of the injuries that they've had and the the pressure that he's kind of been under over the last couple of weeks, I think you have to say over the over the two games against Hibs and Rangers, it's it's hugely creditable to come away with with four points out of six because I don't think many people would have predicted anywhere near that, uh, given the way Aberdeen had been playing. So, as much as we've criticised them in the past few weeks for the results and the performances, you have to give them huge credit for for the way they've kind of cut, come through adversity. Um, and probably should have uh, they probably should have had two wins from two, as as you say, for a rather kind of dubious penalty call last night. Yeah,
0: with Calvin Ramsey, Jack McKenzie, Declan Gallagher, Andy Constant, out, I'm sure there will be bumps in the road, further bumps in the road going forward. But last night, early on certainly, that didn't seem to dent their confidence at all and it shows you just the difference, the confidence from the Hibs win can have on the team. But Christian Ramirez, he, he scored again, he'd scored at the weekend and then got another one last night and I think... He may be the top scoring striker in the Premiership, if not the top scoring player in the Premiership. Now I'd have to double check that, but I mean he talked um, recently about receiving uh, abuse on social media for his performances. Um, despite he he talked about it, despite what some fans think that the Evening Express and Press and Journal are trying to create a Christine Ramirez criticism narrative. That is not the case, and we I think Paul Third he'd done a piece where. It showed that the, the chance conversion of Christian Ramirez is right up there and the goal scored by Christian Ramirez is, is right up there, considering he's not somebody that takes penalties for Aberdeen or anything like that. They're all from open play. I think it's it's clear as day to me that he is brilliant at that goal scoring job. Yeah, maybe he can't do the running about and the pressing as well, you know, things like that. But like his job is to put the ball in the back of the net for Aberdeen and get 20 goals a season, every season. And he looks like he's going to be well
1: on his way to doing that this year. Yeah, He's, oh, he's the is the American Adam Rooney, isn't he? Like you're not kind of you're not really expecting him to do a massive amount outside of the box, but inside if he gets a sniff of goal, he's there and just seems to have really good positioning. Works his way. I mean, very good. Obviously, heading ability we've seen seen that already. But um, but yeah, I mean, there's I mean, there's obviously more to to his game than um, than just scoring. But um, but he is. He is the, the type of player that you know that every team needs, someone that's gonna be that focal point of um of the attack. But um but yeah, I mean he's he's had a great start to um to life at Potodri. We weren't too sure how how quickly he was gonna settle, but I think, you know, obviously scoring early in Europe has he's just kind of built momentum from there and I mean he looks like he's gonna end the season with um, you know, if he if he can manages to stay injury free, he's he's gonna score a good number of goals this season.
2: I think if for um I think maybe people are looking at it as kind of the way the game has evolved, and are expecting kind of more from say a modern type striker, particularly as playing up front by himself. Someone who does more like tries to link play or kind of will relentlessly press. But maybe that's not the the kind of the brief that he's been given by Steven Glass. Like he you put the ball in the box for him and invariably he will score. Like Danny was writing, comparing him to say Adam Rooney. So I don't remember too many people kind of criticizing Adam Rooney's work rate or whatever, when he was putting the ball in the back and that and Aberdeen were winning games. Um, And Ramirez say as the, it's pretty much the, the only out and out striker Aberdeen have got. And that, that can't be kind of lost here as well, because they've obviously, they've not really got anybody else that can come in, say if, if something happens to, Something happens to Ramirez. So they've got they've got Molly Watkins who can play up front, but is maybe better suited playing in a wider or a deeper role. And you've got J. Emmanuel Thomas, who again he kind of when he started games earlier on in the season, he was kind of coming from a kind of a, a wider a wider position. So he's had to carry that burden on himself. He is coming to a team that's very much in transition and a struggle for form at times. He's coming to a new a new country where he's moving far from far from home. And kind of throwing all those factors into the mix to still be in up at the top end of the the goal scoring charts for him, I think that's. I think he does deserve a, a lot of praise.
0: Yeah, I think the the same people that complain about work rate and things like that would be the same people that with Stevie May previously they complained that he was never in the box. You know, like he can't win. But anyway, the goalie did score. Yeah, I thought Ryan Hedges' assist was great. The actual because. The way the chance unfolded, Hedges was almost moving away from goal, and the way he had the, the sort of vision to dink it, to know, uh, have the awareness where Ramirez was positioned to just, uh, you know, for the easy header downwards into the goal was, was brilliant. Dean Campbell played a great part in that as well, and I think Dean Campbell deserves a lot of credit for coming in and playing so well at left back, considering he hasn't had that many chances this season. I think most people would agree, though, that Scott Brown was the the standout. Last night, it's a little bit. It's another one of those performances from Brown, isn't it? Where it's a mix of doing the leadership stuff, the sort of positioning other players, and you know, general sort of complaining about everything, giving no quarter. But he did play for somebody that isn't a centre half. He did play very well at centre half and to sort of snuff out a lot of Rangers chances.
1: Yeah, he was he was superb. But obviously, I mean, he he thrived on on the atmosphere, um, and I mean, he's he's got such a, a a great football brain that he's able to read the ball uh, read read the game so well and managed to get into the the right positions it was kind of you know highlighted on on the the highlights last night but I mean I, I think that I mean you saw with the um the kind of um, exuberant uh, celebrations after he scored and the way that um his celebrations as well post match what it meant to him I and mean, I think if there were any I mean, I don't think there were many doubters among the Aberdeen support when Scott Brown signed that he would be a good addition to the squad in terms of his playing history. But um, I mean, I think he's certainly won over anyone that was doubting um, what he would be able to do uh, for Aberdeen after um, after that performance against Rangers. I, mean, I think Johnny Hayes as well. I mean, he had probably one of his his best games of the of the season as well. So um, it was the kind of the the old guard that turned up, if you like, and everyone likes a diving heater. Don't they? Don't get enough of them. Don't get enough diving headers. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a lost art, I think. Yeah.
0: Lewis Ferguson had made more of that chance to make it three. What what could have been? Do you think? I mean, who's
2: who's to say? I mean, I would from kind of looking at the chance back. You probably do think that Ferguson could have done a little bit better with it. I mean, I think there needs to be credit given to again to Dean Campbell for the pass because I think he's kind of taken, he's kind of played it a more kind of measured one that, than maybe he could have played. He could have kind of probably just. Zinged it first time across goal, but he's actually kind of first time just rolled it back to to Ferguson in in a little bit of space. Um, and again, it probably comes on. It was comes onto Ferguson's weaker foot onto his left foot. I mean, if he, maybe again, I don't I don't know how much time he would have had, but if he let it come across his body a little bit to strike it with his right, I mean, who knows where what could have happened? But um, it's fine. It's fine margins, I suppose. And I think the the obvious one that you point to is kind of the the penalty that could have that could have made a difference to it. Um, and that will probably sting for for a little bit for for Aberdeen, given what could have been. But I think overall, you take it into context of four points in, in six games in the middle of a run where they're not expected to get results, then I think you have to, uh, you kind of probably have to take that as a positive.
0: The Before we move on to the penalty, just, just on Dean Campbell there and what you were saying about the way he rolled back that pass for Ferguson, it was very much the same for the, the first goal. In that he got the ball on the edge of the box, and a lot of you know, a lot of players that haven't been playing a lot, you know, might do something, rush something to try and make something happen, being so close to the opposition goal. But he kind of waited until Hedges sort of had that space in behind, and it was like it was a couple of seconds before he just uh, rolled it through the gap, and then you know, it's perfect. It's the perfect sort of tee up for Hedges to set up Ramirez. So that was quite impressive. But yes, the penalty. Um. Are we are we not seeing something from the footage is is Bates pulling Sakala from behind? Um because even even in the slow motion replays and even with your sports scene pundits saying, Oh now, now when I see it slowed down and then they show us it slowed down, well, it's clear, it's clear as day that it's a penalty from th- those angles. I, I'm looking at those angles going like, it's not clear as day to me. I don't I don't really understand it does, and if he, even if he is pulling Sakala from behind, he's not pulling Sakala from behind in a way that merits the, the way Sakala goes to the deck, the way he sort of like jumps up in the air and sort of falls flat on his face. I don't. What were your thoughts on the the incident? Should it have been a penalty?
2: I don't. I don't think there was enough there to um, to give a penalty. I think the the in the kind of era of VAR, if you slow anything down to a to kind of a certain point, it can look like a foul, or it can look worse than it is. I think there was maybe a, a kind of a, a minor kind of pull from from Bates on Sakala, to, the, but none none that kind of merited the the kind of the reaction from the player that that it got. But at the same time, that's you'll probably see quite a few of those every weekends across the across the country. Um, kind of players looking. Looking for looking for something to get something out of a situation like that, and knowing that if they can elicit a kind of a certain reaction from it, they're likely to get a decision given in their favour. Um, I don't. I don't think you can kind of pinpoint pinpoint in particular blame at Sakala for it, I think it's just modern football the way the way it's going. Um, I don't want to come across as a as angry man shouting at cloud here, but that's uh, I'm afraid that's where the gonna they that's where the game's gone,
1: unfortunately. <laughs> well, I mean the one the one thing that I'll say is that I mean David Bates was was caught out positionally, and I guess not for the first time in in that game, but I mean he he got caught oh, wrong his career well yeah but i mean he was caught wrong side and yeah a, min- a minimal hold on the shirt but you know if you you know if you, if you raise your arms you get caught wrong side and you do that then you're taking a chance i mean it looked a very soft soft penalty but and, and it's one of those that you know you're raging if um if that goes against you but at the same time if that's happening up the other end you're, you're screaming for a penalty for your team so um yeah i mean it's a it's a difficult one and it's a it's a a better, blow for Aberdeen to take after they would put in so much hard work, and it looked like they were going to, you know, maybe get something from the game. But at the same time, you know, if you're if you're goal side, then you're not you're not putting yourself in that position to get caught like that. And I think as well, the other thing which, um, which I think maybe confused some of the guys at the time over how dubious or not the penalty was was that there wasn't that that much in the way of protest from Aberdeen, in particular, Bates himself, um, which I guess gave the Impression initially that it wasn't such a controversial award. Um, Saturday's opponents Hearts have drawn six of their last nine.
0: That that run started with a one-one draw with Aberdeen at Tynecastle. They played them at Tadry this weekend, and Hearts have also had draws against the likes of Dundee and Ross County. Who I mean, to be fair, both those teams got results against Aberdeen, so it's maybe not um, the best Brommer, But Aberdeen, this is a new Aberdeen. This is an Aberdeen that have improved, an Aberdeen that we were prematurely criticising. In recent weeks, they're already to their season around. But when you look at the table, guys, I think on points they could go level with like Hibs in fourth this weekend, depending on how results go. And Hibs and Motherwell have been on pretty and they've been pretty bad runs. Um, I should have said Hibs in fifth, by the way, but fifth and sixth place on bad runs. A couple more results and Aberdeen could be right back in the mix.
2: Yeah. It's amazing how uh, how much could change in seven days because I don't think I've ever heard you sounding as positive as you were there. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I believe think <laughs> I think Aberdeen have to, Aberdeen have to kind of use this momentum, and kind of rise, ride this kind of the little bit of uh, the crest of the wave that they're starting to to get just now. Um, I think taking taking three points on Saturday would again would be huge so against the teams that are su- kind of the supposed uh, top dogs in the league in Hibs, Rangers and, and Hearts. I think that would be it would be huge for them to kind of uh, navigate through this tricky period. So the only downside would be, so what bodies uh, are you going to have available? Um, obviously, kind of there was a concern over Christian Ramirez last night as well, um, which, as we've highlighted before, Aberdeen don't have a huge array of options in that area. So if he was to go down, I think there would be, concern there I think they do have say one or two players that they can call upon in the forward areas um, and say Austin Samuels and, and Niall McGinn and, and maybe one or two more central midfielders but at the back and up front there there isn't too many um, so that would be my only concern going into Saturday as to who you're going to have available.
1: Yeah totally I mean team, teams come in and out of form and the, the problem that teams always find is that if they start the season in, in bad form and they take a while to get going, as we've seen with, you know, the the Dons and and Ross County, um, that it it builds up additional pressure um, that wouldn't have been there perhaps if if your your bad run of form is you know in the middle of the season or towards the end when you've already built up enough enough points. Um, but you would you would hope now that Aberdeen will take a lot from this. Still got some tough games coming up, and they've got injury problems. But um, yeah, I mean it's it's you know. Perfectly natural for Aberdeen to be thinking. Well, we can. It's time now to start moving up the table, and um, and they've shown now that if they can, they can keep it keep it tight at the back. That they've got players up the other end that can uh, that can score plenty of goals.
0: I've just noticed we're eighteen minutes in to this week's episode of Northern Goal, so we must move on to to Ross County, who have had their own. Well, I wouldn't say a decent week, but they certainly had a decent Wednesday night. Okay. County then. Five nil against Dundee at Dens Park for their first win of the season. If you're gonna do it, do it in style. Uh the goals in this game. I mean, early on there was a there was a decent save, it must be said, at nil from Ashley Maynard Brewer, who, yes, we did perhaps suggest might lose his place for Ross Laidlaw. Um on last week's episode, but the save he made from Charlie Adams' deflected shot with his legs was was pretty impressive. And you know, it could have been a different game had Dundee went ahead early on. Then Harry Clark scores the opener, which was a mouth watering uh, finish, following a pretty decent driving run from right back. Was wasn't goal of the game though,
1: but it was pretty impressive, wasn't it? No, oh, it was superb. I mean, the, it was a, a spectacular result. And I mean, Harry Clark is one of those players that if um, if I had a Scottish. Premiership fantasy football team, he would definitely be in it because he's, you know, those kind of rampaging runs from right back and the goals that he's been scoring in recent weeks. He's um, he's looking like a a great player. I mean, Malcolm Mackay said that you know he felt it was just a matter of time before everything was um, starting to click and that they were going to get these results. But I imagine that not even he could have dreamed of a um, of a night as um, as good as it, as it was at Dens Park. It was a yeah a spectacular result in the. The incredible goals as well, I guess, just probably made it all the sweeter for uh, the, the Ross County players and the, the fans that were there. We've been talking about, but um, well, I say we've been talking about, and quite a lot of the stuff,
0: publishing in the Press and Journal, Malky Mackay and the players have been talking about, yes, we haven't been getting results, but we feel we've been playing really well. We feel we've got loads of attacking threat and haven't just been getting the rubber of the green all the goals we've conceded have come from defensive mistakes as opposed to more sort of um, endemic issues uh, with the team or tactically with the team um and that there is this very much sort of like camaraderie between the squad despite all the they've gelled together despite all the, the incomings and the people that left in the summer including a new manager coming in I think the second goal last night as well like they, they obviously smelled blood having gone 1-1 one, one up but you know there was plenty of press and effort to catch out the Dundee defence and get that second one and it's the second one I suppose that puts them on the the route to the the win they eventually got and that was good to see because it wasn't just you know it wasn't just an individual sort of effort it was kind of a it was a goal that came from attitude more than technique yeah
2: well, I think that's the <coughs> I think that's probably the um... The, the minimal kind of the manager and supporters will like would expect is kind of to to kind of use to kind of show that kind of that desire and energy to to force mistakes from the opposition. Um, and I mean, it was again, it was I think it was Jordan White who closed down the goalkeeper and forced the error, and Ross Calicans took it away um, superbly. I think you're maybe getting kind of the same message that was coming out from players and and the manager kind of over the last few weeks that. That it was coming, or that the the felt the they were maybe hard done by or whatever, but ultimately that kind of talk is is irrelevant unless you kind of you then turn it into wins on the field. And I must admit, so after we kind of I think we pinpointed this these runner games against teams around the bottom end of the table. I must admit, after they lost to Saint Mir, I was thinking this this may not happen, um, and they they were in desperate need of something. Um, and to go to do it in this style was, it you have to give them credit for it. It was very impressive. Um, Joseph Hongbo's free kick from from thirty plus yards is sensational. The way he's picked out the top corner from there, and a couple more goals for, for Regan Charles Cook, um, the the man with the uh, iconic celebration um, delivered again. And I think he's really kind of st- staking a claim to be uh, county's player of the season.
0: You read my script. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Hungbo's goal, my God, what, <laughs> what a strike, uh, if that doesn't win goal of the month, then we might as well, might as well pack it in, uh, but yeah, and then Charles Cooke, yeah, the most famous, the most famous celebration, I think it got shown about five times on sports scene last night from various angles, and I did tweet Andy Skinner during the game saying, <laughs> well, after the fourth goal saying, did he do it? Um there are plenty of good memes doing exactly the same action. That should be said as well. Should Mark start ever?
1: making um, Andy Skinner take a whisk to Ross County <laughs> games when he covers them. Now he just gets the whisk out every time Ross County score. The it's
0: it's so funny as well the the way last night went. When you think of the the misery of how Ross County lost Livy, another sort of another team that have been down on their luck at points this season. Um, you know losing three two in the way they did dramatics so a late goal and uh, yeah I said um during the week to not not one of you two but um Paul Third and Callum Law that I, I was like, well that's I just can't see any other outcome here that um but County really struggling um to get this win and I don't know when it's gonna come. And then yeah, lo and behold, the win five 0 in the next game. Again, another sign of how quickly things can change and how easy it is to write off teams prematurely and then Saturday it's Hibbs, another team that are currently going through a bad run we've discussed that already in Dingwall do you think they can make it two wins on the spin because that would really I know they're still bottom but that would if they've got two wins on the spin you think they'd climb off that position
1: Yeah I, I do because I mean I think Hibbs are Hibs are struggling a wee bit just now I mean, they, I, mean I think County's next um, next run of games is Hibbs Rangers and Dundee United if I'm right which is um, I mean that that doesn't look as daunting now as maybe it did before the the game against Dundee. Um, but I mean you're right. I mean that everyone at Ross County and I, know, I mean uh, our colleague Andy Skinner as well was saying that they're playing you know a lot better than um, than the results suggest. But I mean it, as you kind of say you know players and managers whether the team are playing well or not generally tend to say that but there was kind of substance to whenever you're watching Ross County they were you know creating chances passing the ball about well um but I mean for it to for everything to click in one night in the way that it did was um was quite sensational Al- albeit I think I mean I think they had a helping hand with how poor um Dundee were defensively but I mean Ross County will will take a huge amount of confidence from this and I wouldn't be at all surprised if they um, they go against. I mean, Hibernian are, are a good side, but their their recent run of form hasn't been so good. So, um, yeah, there's there's no reason why um, the Staggies can't win that one as well. Can I win the league? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's 25 minutes
0: now. So, not to just keep giving time updates, but I think we we must move on to. I mean, more more miserable more miserable events um, in Vernesses midweek defeat to another strong championship outfit in Arbroath. Yes, okay, well, I meant Arbroath were the championship outfit that I was talking about, not that it was in Arbroath because it was in Inverness at the Caledonia Stadium, but it was a a 1-0 win for the visitors on on a windy night and it stopped Inverness, I think, going for, I think, achieving their sixth home win in a row in the championship this season it was their first loss at home this season and they're now below Kilmarnock in the table on goal difference it was about a
1: freak free kick that won it wasn't it i don't know if it was a freak free kick i mean i think he i mean i think he was trying to score from it. i don't think he was trying to put the i mean i know that the conditions were very bad so maybe I mean, maybe he was just trying yeah. to put it into yeah. the into the box but i thought he was trying to um trying to score i mean it, it just it was um it was a bad one for Mark Ridgers to um to concede, but I'm sure Cali Thistle will forgive him that given how well he's been, how well he's played for them over the last couple of seasons. Um but yeah, it was a disappointing night for Cali Thistle, but um I'm sure they'll I'm sure they'll bounce back. But it was um yeah, not 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 the greatest goal in the world to to concede.
2: I think there's kind of maybe some concern about how difficult they're finding it to break some of these teams down. Um, and I think that's that's obviously something that, that Billy Dodds and the coaching staff will will have to address. Um, obviously, not not able to kind of defeat a, a 10-man Wraith Rovers team on Saturday. I'd, I wouldn't point too much criticism at that, given how, how impressive um, Wraith have been this season. But I think obviously losing losing down at Hamilton at the start of the month and then obviously chucking in that one at home to, to Arbroath, who, albeit are a very, very good um part-time team, I think Inverness would have still expected to to win that game at home in a midweek. Um, and you look at the kind of run they've got coming up, The they're, they're away three games out the next four. Um, they've got Partick Thistle on Saturday, then they've got to go down to Ayr, um, and then I think there's Queen of the South um, a couple of weeks after that as well. So there's there's a few decent, uh, decent old journeys in there that they'll need to kind of pick up points and pick up victories as well if they want to if they want to kind of keep pace with Kilmarnock at the top of the table because they Kilmarnock should be the, the strongest team in this division this season um and if you look at it, the teams have got <laughs> virtually identical records um they've both kind of won seven drawn two and lost two um and the only kind of difference is um Kilmarnock have have scored one more and conceded one more than in Inverness, and that's that's all that separates them this season so it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be nip and tuck I think all the way and um, there is it is only kind of two defeats on the board for Inverness, and I think they've surprised a few people by how well they've they started the season um it's just maybe kind of learning from that and kind of growing as a as a side over as the uh, as the campaign develops and hopefully kind of keeping pace at the top
0: there was a, a great piece of uh a Quotage from Dick Campbell after the game about a goal scorer Michael McKenna. He had taken free kicks earlier in the night, and obviously Dick Campbell is a very experienced manager and knows exactly the right things to say to you know motivate his players. And after the game, after the the win, which he he celebrated enthusiastically, he he told Paul Chalk that he got into Michael McKenna and told him if he chipped a ball again at the edge of the 18-yard box, he'd be taking him off. I told him to hit it, and he did that for the goal. So, yeah, good good motivation there from a legendary Scottish manager. But I think, yeah, Jamie, what you were saying there was that I think Billy Dodds has complained a few times. Uh, I think he said after the game that he didn't think they'd done enough. Um, They tried away and had a couple of chances, but our both were kind of strong and repelling anything they threw at them, but they they have had that issue this season. It was the same after the Wraith draw. Um seems to be an ongoing concern. I think he um I think Billy Dodds went two up on Tuesday evening. Manny Diku joining Billy Mackay. Well if you were if you were Billy Dodds, I don't I don't I don't expect you to think you know better than the the Cali Thistle Gaffer, but would you would you go two up? I think
2: if you look at traditionally Callie when Cali Thistle have been successful and kind of what formation suits the players that they've got. It is kind of the four, two, three, one. That is always kind of been the that's always kind of been the kind of the set way from, from when I started watching them under Terry Butcher. Um and it would seem that that, that kind of fits fits them uh, just now because they've got kind of a number of uh, good wide options. They've got Tom Walsh, Michael Gardine, Aaron Doran and and Anthony McDonald who so the latter two we've maybe not seen a huge amount of this season. Um, I think Manny Dooku is he is more of a kind of a physical presence, so he probably does need someone around him, whether that's another striker or a kind of a, an advanced kind of attacking midfielder. Um, Billy Mackay is a he's been used to playing up front by himself over the years and he's a prolific finisher from within within the box. And then it is again it's just it's just kind of options, really, what suits Inverness better against certain teams, I suppose. I mean, it, starting with two up front does obviously show a clear intent, um, but then do you miss something as a link between the midfield and attack? If you're, say, if you're playing four four two, um, 2 can, can it then be a little bit easier to kind of maybe shut down balls into the box or wide wide options? Um, whereas if you've got, say, somebody floating about in the, in the 10 position, be that, say... Roddy McGregor or Reese McAleer or someone like that maybe kind of gives you a little bit more freedom but I think in Imani Duke and Billy Mackay you've got options there and you've got Shane Sutherland as well who can kind of play out wide or or through the middle so there's definitely kind of there's solutions there for, for Billy Dodds, it's just kind of almost kind of putting the pieces in the right place to uh, to find out what fits.
0: Alright, well we shall move on hopefully Cali thistle can get back to winning ways this weekend when they travel to um to do the travel they're playing Park thistle anyway i think i think it's possible yeah, it farhill yeah yeah um, park have had two goalless draws this week i think so yes and another challenging team a team that will be intent on getting back to the top flight as soon as they possibly can but yeah hopefully Dodds and his his team can do it, having been so impressive so far this season in terms of results. Right, next up, we'll head for the lower leagues of League 1 and League 2. Alright, where will we start? Um, Cove, I think. Cove beat Clyde 3-0 at the weekend. Back to winning ways after their their strange blip the week before against East Fife, wasn't it? Um, But They've got a challenging one this weekend against Queens Park, one of the one of the sides that's going to be right up there competing with Cove for the title. Um, but yeah, I mean Robbie Leach appeared to be another impressive performance from him in this game, Jamie.
2: Yeah, I think he he was someone who I don't know I don't know what was expected of him from from kind of supporters and whatnot when when he came in. He's 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 been quite a regular pick for for Paul Hartley he's had to kind of fulfill a number of roles he's played on both flanks he's played in behind the striker um he's he's versatile but as always that can count against players if it if it means they're not able to kind of get a regular run in the team um they were looking for for more players to chip in with goals rather than, say, just relying on Rory McAllister and Mitch Megginson. And sure enough, neither of them scored on Saturday and they had three different goal scorers um, in Nottingham, Robbie Leach, Connor Scully and, and Jamie Masson. And I think that's what they that's what they want because I think Paul Hartley, he said before that there, there will be games where Rory and Mitch don't score or there will be kind of patches of, of form where maybe they, they dip a little bit and they need someone else to kind of step up and, and be able to to find the net because they can't, they, can't, they can't expect to kind of beat up their challenge at the top end of the table and win winning leagues just by counting on two people to score, uh, no matter how good Rory and Mitch have been. Um, and I spoke to Jamie Masson this week, um, who's, he scored two in the last three games for Cove. Um, and he kind of wants to get back to the form that he was in a couple of seasons ago, like when, when Cove won the League Two title, it was kind of almost between him and Mitch really, for for top goal scorer. Mitch kind of slightly pulled away at the end, but um Jamie finished with 15 league goals from from kind of left midfield, which is a is a great tally. Um and he's always someone that kind of has an eye for goal and he gets himself into very kind of promising promising areas. That maybe has been kind of just building him back up to where he should be fitness wise over the last few weeks because obviously he's come off the back of the serious ankle injury that kept him out for kind of four, five months. And he's only kind of just, just kinda of getting used to kind of starting games and playing regularly again. Um I think getting him back up to speed will help. I think they've obviously got um they're starting to get kind of goals from, from elsewhere as well. I think Fraser Fivey's chipped in with a couple, Robbie Leach has got a few. Um I think they were looking for more goals from set pieces, kinda of given that they're kind of the height that they've got in the team. So I think yeah, I'd like to think kind of cover starting to kind of kick into gear again. So these five Fife game was a little bit of an aberration, really. Um, this Saturday will be, I think, will be a fantastic game. Um, both teams that want to get forward, want to score goals. Cover with a kind of an imperious kind of home records. Uh, Queen's Park, obviously, I uh, kind of watched uh, some of the highlights from their game against Alloa last weekend, which just seemed like a bit of a, a balmy game, kind of finishing four three when. Um, Queens Park have been leading three two heading into the kind of the 90th minute. So I think it'll be it's far too early to kind of say it gives so and so an advantage in terms of the league. But given Cove were beaten down there um, earlier in the season, I think if they were able to take three points at the Balmoral, it would give them a huge kind of just psychological advantage, just leapfrogging them and, and kind of going back to the top of the table.
1: I think it's it's a huge huge few, few weeks for Cove because I mean not only do they have I mean, this massive game against Queens Park, but they also play the teams that are the other two teams that are in the top four with them, Montrose um, and Airdrieonians away from home in the next few weeks, with a a derby against uh, Peterhead, um, squashed in between. So, I mean, I think we'll learn over the next few weeks, you know, what what type of what type of season that um, that it's going to be for Cove. Albeit, I think we're we're full of expectation that it's going to be one with them challenging near the top of this league.
0: Head are now three games unbeaten in League One. I don't think we would be saying that. We thought would be saying that a few weeks ago, but um, they followed up their, their two wins with a draw against Falkirk. Jamie, do you think they can make it four against Montrose on
2: Saturday? I think the way the way they kind of the their confidence is just now. I don't think they'll see any reason why they can't um, go to kind of go and beat Montrose on Saturday. I think. They are probably the, one of the most difficult teams to face in the league, just because of how consistent they are. And you look at uh, you look at kind of where they are in the league, where they kind of tend to finish. Um, and I think you kind of have to give Montrose a lot of credit for the way they, the way they go about things. Um, Peterhead they seem to have turned a corner, um, thumping Dumbarton, going down to Alloa, playing really well and kind of coming away four two winners. Um, and then a draw last weekend where. They weren't at the best, um, and they did have to absorb pressure for long periods of the game. But they've got a goalkeeper at the minute who seems to be in tremendous form. In Brett Long, he's been a really good signing for them. Um, his his shot stopping is first class, and I think they they're just trying to kind of make him a little bit more confident in in and around his penalty area and kind of coming for things and claiming things. But he's someone that they can they can rely on i think just now um and goal scoring doesn't tend to be tend to be an issue for them so i think i don't think you can criticize them too much for for drawing nil nil with with Falkirk, um so given when Falkirk had kind of the majority of the chances but they've proven say against Dumbarton and Alloa that can they can go out and score goals um Montrose are a, are a very good side so it'll be a good test for uh, this little mini revival and see where Peter head at.
0: i've seen Jason Brown Describing one of Brett Long's saves at the weekend as kind of otherworldly, um, obviously good, good for Halloween week. But did
2: did you see it? Was it was it as stunning as the reports suggest? Uh, I actually didn't see. It. I was uh, I was looking at my laptop at the time, writing something, and then just happened to happen to look up and see the kind of the ball going <laughs> an in- wide. An insight into the perils of sports <laughs> journalism. Well, there. that's it. I think, I think it was fairly late on in the game as well. So I was trying to uh, I was trying to get my report written, so I just happened to kind of look up and. Hear the uh, hear the ripple of applause and whatnot as the ball went was turned wide. So, uh, unfortunately, I've not seen Brett Long's that particular save. I think it was a volley from Michael Ruth from just inside the the penalty area. But there's a there's numerous other saves that he's come out and uh, he's denied Declan McDade a couple of times. Um, I think he's, I say, like I say, he's in he's in great form just now and they've got a, def- a very young defence as well at the minute which kind of makes it the fact they've got two clean sheets in three even more impressive um so brought in david wilson from elgin city um a couple of uh a few weeks ago uh oh sorry he kind of came in on a free transfer after after leaving elgin city and he's kind of played with with jason brown but they've also been able to go to a back three when they've needed to with uh, andy mcdonald coming in uh josh mulligan just goes from strength to strength. to uh, right back he's a I think he's a He's a tremendous player and I think I've said before I don't think it'll be long before he goes back and challenges for a place in the Dundee first team um, and then they were without Ryan Conroy on Saturday due to injury um, and they had another kind of young lad from, from Dundee Flynn Duffy um, he was obviously Dundee United um, he kind of came in at left back and, uh, and did well so they've got a very very young squad and I think they they lost Simon Ferry during the game as well due to due to injury. So the all over the pitch, they kind of they're looking very youthful. But what while they kind of lack in a, in experience in that sense, what it also does allow them to do, and what allows Jim McAnally to do, is play a more kind of intense kind of pressing style where he's got he knows he's got kind of energy in the legs of these players that they can they can go after and close down and get um and get after opposing players. Whereas maybe when you've got Kind of a few older quite a few older heads in there, you maybe that maybe don't have those kind of energy resources to go out and um kind of play that kind of way. Heavy metal football at, <laughs> at the moment.
0: Um Elgin have their Scottish Cup replay with Clyde Bank this weekend after Monday's one one draw, a performance that Gavin Price described as Jekyll and Hyde. Rory McEwan's goal gave Elgin the lead and the reports. That have, you, have you watched the game at halftime? It was, you know, all about how Elgin had, you know, as a as a team from two divisions up, two levels up, had totally dominated, as you'd expect, and they were, you know, they weren't giving their opponents a, a moment's peace. And yeah, and then they end up coming away having conceded um, an equaliser and having to do it all over again. Yeah, I mean, hopefully the Butter Briggs crowd will help. Elgin this weekend, but yeah, they just we've talked about it all season, but they just can't put on ninety-minute performances most weeks,
1: can they? Yeah, I mean, I watched the game actually. I thought it was a it was a really good watch actually. Um, quite a quite quite a gripping game. Um, I think the 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 crowds obviously having such a big crowd there, it was obviously a a tie that meant a lot to um, to Clyde Bank, which was why it was um, chosen for uh, for television purposes. But I mean, Elgin were excellent the first. 35 minutes. I loved um, Gavin Price's quote afterwards where he described them as, as Jekyll and Hyde Did you say, but he's like, I, I don't know which one's which, <laughs> which is the good one, which is the bad one. Um, I think it was Hyde was the bad one. But I mean, yeah. it was um, I, I would be pretty confident that, um, that uh, I shouldn't say this, but I would be confident that Elgin will go through because I think they're the, by, by far the better side and I would think on their own patch as well. And without, I mean, I think Clyde Bank will probably take up quite a decent Support to Borough Briggs, um, but I would still be confident that you know Elgin, if, especially if they've got a couple more players back, that that um, they'll be able to get through that one. But I mean, Clydebank showed, and they've got a couple of um, couple of good players. Um, that it's it's not going to be an easy easy tie. Um, it never was going to be, but um, I would think that on on Saturday, I, w- I would be surprised if Elgin don't get through. But they'll have to if if they're not at their best, then then they'll go out. But I would think that they've probably got a, a bit too much about them to. Um, to go out at this stage, hopefully.
0: Yeah, I think um, as well, I think it was in the Rory McEwen piece that our colleague Paul Chalk wrote, he said that I think they're probably glad to have another go at Clyde Bank and hopefully win that game before they return to the league games, which, as nice as the Scottish Cup is, the, the League Two games and Elgin's attempt to get back up the table into playoff contention is the most important thing. And, you know, they want to be going back to that off the back of a a good, solid 90-minute performance where they hopefully score a few goals and win the tie. Anyway, so we know that the draw for um, our, our teams in the top four tiers of Scottish football. On well, the top three, uh, the well, the second, third and fourth tier, because obviously the, the first tier teams aren't in yet. But for the third round, we've got Clyde Bank or Elgin City v Clyde. We've got Cali Thistle v Greenock Morton. Cove Rangers v Queen the South, Civil Service Strollers v Peter Head. For me, the pick of the ties is Cove at home to a championship outfit in Queen in the South. I like to, you know, that's where they want to be, the championship, so it'll be good to see them test themselves. Callie Thistle Green at Morton, a bit boring, I'm not going to lie. Um, it's just two teams that play each other already on league. Business, um, Elgin, yeah, the underdogs for their tie against Clyde if they go through. And Peter Head, Civil service strollers um, away from home. That's that's probably the one that you look at and think, well, Peterhead can't win, can they? In that one, well, they can't win the tie. But they, they you know, if they if they don't if they don't beat them, uh, then it's you know it's a an upset. But they're ex- they go they're expected to beat them, so you know all they do, all they can do is um, perform adequately. Yeah,
1: I agree with you, yeah. but I think that um, I think. Billy Dodds would have been cursing that draw though because out like, of all the teams that Kelly Thistle could have got, they would have certainly been hoping to avoid someone in um, a fellow mm-hmm. championship side. Um, I, I agree. I mean, I think Cove against Queen of the South, I, you know, I definitely fancy a wee upset there. Um, Peterhead should be should be too strong and um, Elgin as well, if they get past Clyde Bank. I, you'd fancy them to, to take care of Clyde as well. Yeah, I think the Cove Queen of the South one has the potential to be an upset.
2: Um, I think that's that's maybe one that people will look at, um, and I think Cove, having beaten Aloa last season when they were a championship team, down the road I think they will uh, they will fancy they will fancy kind of quite having a go at them. Uh, Peterhead Civil Service Strollers I think Civil Service Strollers are done quite well this season in the in the Lowland League, um, and again down the roads against a against the league side um, I think. Some some folk out with that might be maybe looking at look at it as a potential upset, um, but I would I would expect Peterhead to take care of business there um, and kind of get themselves get themselves through into the next round, um, which is ultimately what uh, ultimately is what we want for our uh, our North clubs. Below, below the SBFL sides, and we're not going to labour
0: on this too long, as you know we've got Highland League Weekly on the Press and Journal website available for you to watch um, if you're into that sort of thing. But the Highland teams in Scottish Cup second round action over the weekend, we've got Banks of D going through after their 5-0 win against Nairn County, that was the biggest win of any team playing in the second round of the Cup at the weekend, and Bro Rangers uh, the Albion Rovers that ended 0-0 so we'll go to replay this weekend at Clifton Hill, they'll beat Star and Rothes, same scoreline 0-0 so they'll play each other again at McKessick Park some good, some good ties came out of the draw for the third round involving the Highland League or junior side Banks of D uh, we've got D at home to East Fife, that looks like a, a game that we all know how strong Banks D are at St- Spain Park so there could be potential for an upset there, um, Broda or Albion Rovers will play Air United, um, breaking at home to Darville as well, which I'm sure will be challenging for them anyway, that concludes this week's episode of Northern Goal, thanks to Jamie and Danny for joining me today, cheers guys no problem, pleasure in the end, you've been a glorious twosome, not a gruesome twosome. <laughs> um, if you enjoyed this episode, you can like and subscribe uh, to Northern Goal on your favourite podcast app. You can email us any questions or queries or criticism or whatever you want, really, um, within reason, obviously, at Goal at uk. And finally, enjoy whichever games you're watching this weekend and wrap up warm. See you later. Hope you loved the episode, and if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.